Is the best of two pros in a cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. Yeah. Jonas appreciates you you guys joining us. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, he does. I don't appreciate you guys oh. at all. Oh. <laughs> what, do you, what, what happened? What's that? I just felt like coming in with a little bit of hate. You know what I Good. mean? Like They oh. said the hate Olympics is starming in about two weeks. I was warm enough. Yeah. That, that's all that was. Good. Yeah, no worries. That's good. What I plan on hate? winning. What are the hate Olympics? Oh, man. You know, it's a whole bunch of, of games where you just challenge yourself to hate as, as well. you you never seen the Chappelle show? I uh, have seen the Chappelle hater, show. Hater of the year? I don't remember that one. Yeah, there's an extension called the Hater Olympics. Yeah, it starts in two weeks. Yeah. And so you're trying out for it. Well, no, I'm I'm going to medal. Oh, okay. I hate your That's guts. That's trying Jonas. out. You're like a favorite. Right. You're saying. <laughs> yeah. 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 You came in. Uh, you came in hot. Today. I came in hot. I told yeah. you I come in hot. Today. Yeah. Well, like it, I mean, I, I didn't burn you, did I? Yeah. I don't know what uh, happened. Well, maybe you did. Okay. I just and maybe I mean, you I'm did. Just wondering. Don't don't be don't be outing us like that, Jonas. <laughs> I'm just wondering. I don't know. I don't know what happened here. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, uh, you know, it is, uh, you know, LeVar, we're, we're happy to have you here uh, because you can speak uh, on uh, on this situation because... Uh, uh, I really can't. Well, round of applause uh, for LeVar Arrington and his Washington Commandos. They've got a brand new quarterback, folks. Yeah. They got a new, yeah. sheriff. They got a new sheriff in town. Yeah. Carson Wentz. They got a new gunslinger in town. Third... <laughs> Third time's a charm for Carson Wentz. Uh, the Colts have traded Carson Wentz uh, to the Washington Commandos for uh, third-round picks this year and next. Uh, the 2023 pick can become a second-rounder if he plays 70% of their snaps. Two bags of Skittles. Um, Washington also uh, reportedly will pay his full salary coming up of around $28 million. A so, month of Cinnabon. Uh, here we go, LeVar. Congratulations. Washington's got a uh, quarterback again. How about that? How about two shipments of now laters? <laughs> Boy, that, you were close there. <laughs> you were uh, you were close, uh, oh, yeah. but one carton of uh, Jolly Joes. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're not you're not a little bit excited about what, what, uh, Carson what, Wentz. What, what was the compensation in the trade? What what the, was the, it? The two, two third, third round, round picks. picks. Two third round yeah. picks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, it's an upgrade. I mean, he's played in the NFC East. He's aware of the NFC East. He has a Super Bowl in the NFC East. He's aware. He's aware of it. Um, <laughs> he's aware of what what's out there. He knows that, well, being in the NFC East, any team has a chance and an opportunity to win the NFC East and make it into the playoffs. So there's that. Um, um, <laughs> this is so bad. Um, it's just... There's a decent, you know, they have an all-pro offensive lineman and, and Sheriff, you know, shots out the Sheriff out of, out of Iowa. Is it Iowa? Yeah, it's Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah, a tough yeah. son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> that is one tough dude right there. Uh, they got Gibson in the backfield. He can run the ball. So, yeah. you know, what What it really comes down to, this, this decision, if I'm being serious, um, this decision to me spells defense written all over it. And and basically what, what they're probably – trying to do with this pick is put a guy that could possibly be a maybe the best best game manager available on the market maybe the most proven best best game manager and it comes down to if the defense can take a definitive step back forward they they weren't they weren't the type of unit that you would have expected to see this past year uh there was a little bit of discord towards the end, as you saw teammates that were in college that were teammates in the league 
have a little bit of, you know, some disagreements on the sideline just to, you know, the emotions <laughs> and the feelings connected to, you know, the season, but and and possibly probably the effort I, I just think that they are looking for their defense to be the catalyst of this team, and I, bringing in Carson Wentz only confirms that further. I, I I look at what he did last year, and he he wasn't that bad. I, he really wasn't. I I look at them bringing him in in his first year, him starting the season in Indianapolis with an injured foot, kind of rushing to get back. He didn't look a hundred percent healthy. And, and watching him throughout the course of the year, yeah, there, there were some mind-boggling moments. I mean, the, the interception he threw, the left-handed interception he threw. All-timer. Backed up on his own goal line. Like, that was just, oh, my gosh, what are you doing moment. That being said, he wasn't that bad. And I, I, I said this before. I really honestly believe the Colts would have been better off keeping him for another year. I just wonder how much the non-vaccination deal played a role. You know, Ursay seemed to be upset about it. Uh, I don't know that any of the players were, but, I mean, Jim Ursay owns the team. And, and what he say goes. And it's just – so it was surprising from that standpoint that they would turn and trade him away in a draft class that doesn't look as good at the quarterback spot. And then now with Russell Wilson already moving – Aaron Rodgers making his decision. You got you could maybe maybe you have Jimmy G, but he's got a shoulder surgery. I mean, he's coming off of an injury. It's going to take him a while. Who's your quarterback? Like you just traded away a guy who another team values as their quarterback for this upcoming season, and now you're going. Well, yeah, we don't we don't have a quarterback. So I just I don't really understand the logic behind it. I just I think it's in the short term, it's a better deal for the Colts. For, for this singular purpose, and even though it contradicts everything I just said, if the only advocate that was left for Carson Wentz being a starting quarterback in the NFL was Frank Reich, I mean, think about it. They traded away a first-round pick for Carson Wentz. And the thought was, all right, he's kind of damaged. Good. He's, he doesn't look the same. Let's get him with the guy who helped him play his best football. And he did play some good football last year. But if that guy is willing to trade him away from two third-round picks, if you're Washington, you've got to be thinking, hold on a second. Like, this doesn't make as much sense. The old banana and tailpipe. (laughs) (laughs) For real. So the Colts in the short term look like the team. But I honestly believe this is going to work out for Carson in Washington. I I think they've got enough talent there. I think he's the second-best quarterback in that division. Hmm. I I, I think behind Dak Prescott – Wentz is the next guy now. And you might challenge, well, what about Jalen Hurts? What about Jalen Hurts? We, we kept hearing stuff all offseason, like, are they committed to him? Are they not? Are they still going to draft one with all the first-round picks? Are they not? I mean, I think they're committed to him. I don't know, though. We'll, we'll see how this year goes. But I, I think he's the second-best quarterback in that division right now. Okay, I, we kid about Carson Wentz because he had a little bit of issue with, um, you know, he had um, some volcanoes on the back of his neck uh, a, couple, a couple of years Ooh. ago. That were kind of, and so we kid and we joke and the left-hand interception and all that stuff. If the goal was Washington to improve at the quarterback position this offseason, they did that, right? I mean, he he is an upgrade over what they were rolling out last year. 
And if that was the goal, then that's fine. In comparison to what they were trying to do in getting Russell Wilson, no, you would look at that and go, it's a significant step down. But where where do you think Carson Wentz is? In the 15 range in the NFL as far as quarterbacks go? Maybe closer to 20? It's still an improvement uh, above where they were. There's only 12 teams left. Well, but but he's at least (laughs) top half of the league, I would say. Top top 20, 20, 26 maybe? Okay, is he an upgrade? Top 27? Is he an upgrade over last year? I mean, Taylor Heineke yes, showed and, and some, no, some, come on, some, come you on. know, he showed he, a little he's, something. He's an upgrade, and they were trying to upgrade at the position. Right, they, but, they do have, they do have a much better that, roster than people give him credit for. What does that I, really mean? He's an upgrade from let. What is that? That really was the goal. Mean? They were trying to find a guy, and, and this is going to be what a one a one year opportunity for him. Okay. If it doesn't work, then they if, move forward. If we really want to go through these gymnastics, to your point, Jonas, because I'm with you. I think he's a top half quarterback in the league. I think he's in the top half of the league. Let's look at the AFC East. Outside of Josh Allen, who else would you rather take over Carson Wentz? Are you taking Zach Wilson? I'm not. Are you taking Tua? I'm not. Mac Jones? Uh, Maybe after another year, but not after what I saw at the end of that season. No. I mean, right there you'd say that's in one division, that's only one quarterback you take over him. Now, then you've got the AFC West, and you might say, I'll take all four quarterbacks there now. (laughs) So that's five. But, you know, again, I'm I'm taking Carson Wentz over Mason Rudolph. Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, what what about Baker Mayfield versus Carson Wentz? I don't know. I'll take Wentz. No, you don't. Okay, okay, but let's just say it's it's a question mark there. Yeah, it's up for debate. and, and, And the other two you wouldn't. So that's, what, seven? All right, working through the divisions. Um, the Colts don't have a quarterback, so they trade away one, and we're looking at going. <laughs> so they're well, out. Yeah, I take Carson Wentz over no one. Right. I take Carson Wentz over Davis Mills if that's the Texans' starting quarterback. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. You want Carson Wentz or Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence. I, I, I might say that, but I don't know. What, based on what we saw last year, I feel overly confident saying that right now. Yeah, but again. That, but the the results are based off of that team. I don't I don't put that on Trevor Lawrence so much, and, and that's and then, that's so. The point is, it's it's more of the unknown with what we what we do know with Car, uh, with with Trevor Lawrence versus what we do know, and how much unknown is left about Carson sure. Wentz in, sure. in in the NFC right now with Carson Wentz. Washington's a playoff team. Right now. Well, okay, how about this way? Let's look at just the, the NFC. Fantastic. How many how many quarterbacks in the NFC would you take over Carson Wentz? Um God, Rogers I mean, is debatable. Rogers? God, that's debatable. That's um, a little debatable. I, I would take Dak, Rogers, um, I would take Kirk Cousins, but it's close. And I would take uh Kyler Murray, Stafford, and that's it. I'll take so what is that? I'll take Garoppolo over Wentz. Five, five or six. You wouldn't take Garoppolo over Wentz? I mean, that's what the Colts are saying to you right now, right? Well, but Garoppolo, I mean, we're but talking, Garoppolo what? if he's on his way out. I'm talking just NFC. If he ends okay. up if he ends up so in the AFC, five or six. Just you said NFC. Okay, five, we'll just call Garoppolo's five or six. An, okay. We'll right. call it about five or six. Well, he is for now. I mean, All right, that's fair. Okay, so, so putting it that way, we had nine in the AFC, and you just listed off five, maybe six. Yeah, that gets us to 14, 15. He's top half. That's 15. He's so he's half. top half the league is what you're yeah. saying. Yes. Okay. So I, I, I agree with you. I, I think he's better than anyone's giving him credit. 
And maybe it, does, it has to do with the Braille on the back of his neck. I don't know. Oh, oh man. What? Oh, the adjustable <laughs> Braille, by the way. <laughs> could <laughs> be bigger, could be bigger dots, could be smaller ones, I mean, depending look, on what day. Maybe he fell asleep on a piece of pizza. I have no idea. All right. We, we, you know, we're sitting here trying to poke fun at the guy. Point being, with, with him, you've upgraded the position. If you get a little bit, uh, if you're healthier on, on defense, it, it, the division's weak. They're a playoff team right now. I think Washington's a playoff team, and and if you're if that was the goal well, the going Eagles, into the offseason, the Eagles you made it with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you, you know, think they're I, make it again this year though. I mean, I think they're they're in better position to be a better team than Washington is currently. I think they've got as good, if not better, of a roster. I, I'm I'm curious to see what year two looks like there. I I said it before. I think that one of the worst things that can happen to a, a head coach in his first year is exceeding expectations unrealistically because no one was picking the Eagles to go to the playoffs. No. So they make it to the playoffs, and then if you can't make it back the next year, then it's like, what happened? Everyone thinks you take a step back. Now all of a sudden you're on the hot seat. You're like, hold on a second. Like, it wasn't in the plans in year one. And and now we're, what, eight and nine and we didn't make it? Like, I just – that's going to be a really interesting team to see the perception – of how they do or what happens this year. Because I'm with Jonas. I think Washington's a playoff team, or at least one that's going to be contending there for that 7-6 spot when it's all said and done. It's going to have to be their defense that does it. And and, and to, to that point, I think understanding the politics and how they play out with quarterbacks in the nation's capital, Carson Wentz is known in, in the nation's capital because of him being with the Eagles. There were better recipients, better better prospects out there that they did not get that they could have gotten. Well, there are a few no, out there. The reality is they couldn't have gotten They them. tried. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah but, Russell Wilson wasn't but, waiving his no-trade clause for Washington. Okay, but here's the thing. Regardless of the reality of it, the perception of it by the fan base will be they could have done a way. And that's, just, that's what's coming out of the nation's capital now. They could have done a way better job in filling that position. And so there's not going to be a lot of runway for Carson Wentz. And and to that point, there's not going to be a, a lot of runway for this team as it applies to the way that the quarterback plays. There were is a lot of people. Base, is that uh, fan base delusional? Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> Jeez. And after you've lost, well, well, here's the problem, though. Sheesh. They're They're warranted because a fan base that has been loyal to that that team for as long as they have would have to be delusional to continue being a fan of the team. There are a lot of fan bases that are delusional fan bases because their teams really aren't going to win. I don't think that this move definitively puts them in the proper position to take a step forward into being a winning organization. I, I don't think that was it was a definitive move, if, right. if I'm being honest. I, I've got some hard-hitting questions for you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Right. Is Taylor Heineke the greatest quarterback in the Washington football team's history? Now, mind you, the Washington football team. No, I'm with you. I'm Good with call. what you did. Good call. I'm with what you did. Yeah. Um, what were they called before that? Anybody know? It's been a long uh, time. Anybody want to say that? You want to dance on that a little bit? I'm a Washington uh, Redskin. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. Racist. Oh, my God. How is that racist? That's 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 oh, the team I play. That's I mean, the team I played for. Okay. You did play for the team that so was. So if anybody would be able to say it, that's the team I played for. <laughs> that's okay. true. I mean, that's true. What, whether it's whether whether history now says I can't say it, that's still the team I okay. played for. But was Taylor Henneke the greatest quarterback 
for the Washington football team. Okay. Uh, was Alex Smith a quarterback there? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. I would say Alex, Alex Smith, Smith slightly you better. You can't. Well, they were. In, I mean, they were a first place team with uh, Alex. They Smith were. They did. His, they did. That's true. Were they the football team? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. When they were. Yeah, they, when they were division. that high. Yeah. In twenty twenty. Yeah. So I think it's Alex Smith, but it but it's close to Taylor Heineke. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Greatest running back in Washington football team history. Okay. Um, Aaron Gibson. Let's see. <laughs> Aaron? Yeah, I don't know. What, what is it? Aaron, did Aaron Gibson win like what, the... What's uh, his he was an offensive line. Antonio, 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 Antonio Gibson. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Not, uh, not John Riggins. Not, LeVar, you uh, said that with so much confidence. Fatu <laughs> Malafalu. <laughs> the way LeVar just goes, Aaron. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was questioning myself. I'm like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. Oh, uh, man. It is what it is. Uh, well, listen, I mean, I'm know, not delusional, so, uh, I mean, I can mess their names up because they're not really relevant right now. Oh, geez. Well, in Washington, football, in Washington football team history. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. How do you guys think the final year or two – in Seattle were for Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. How do you think? Relationship-wise. <laughs> Coach-wise. Player-wise. Uh, what do you mean? As far as the relationship? Yeah. Like, how do you, do you think it was smooth sailing there? Do you think they were on the same page? Or was it uh, professional. pretty much just a wrap yeah, at that that's, point? Yeah, that's the, that's the best way of describing it. I think they were both professional. Okay. Uh, Greg, tolerant, tolerant of one another. Yeah. Greg Olson, uh, who spent a short time there. Greg. Uh, yeah. Greg Olson Greg. from Jersey. Wayne, Jersey. New Jersey. 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 And Greg. by the way, uh, Notre Dame alum, correct? Great, uh, no, great didn't graduate great. from there, but well, I, I will say this. Um, for all those Miami Hurricanes fans out there, I started a broadcast of uh, the Dolphins versus the Seahawks. And I happened to mention that because Greg and I were the same class. I got to know Greg well um, in the summertime before our freshman year. His brother, Chris, who played quarterback there. Um, and so we, we got close. And, you know, I, I made sure to, you know, tell the University of Miami, you know, Hurricane fan base, hey, uh, he didn't choose you first. Okay. Wow. Um, you were sloppy seconds to Notre Dame. I just oh, want to make sure they God. knew that. I'm just saying. I just want to make sure they knew that he chose Notre Dame first, then he transferred to Miami. So, uh, for all those Hurricane fans out there, sorry to hit you with some facts. <laughs> I know that may hurt a little. It does bit. hurt sometimes. Oh, it hurts. I know. Hurt sorry to hit you with man. facts. There. I'm sorry. Good God. Uh, just yeah. coming in hot. Um, now he was on the um, the Colin Cowherd podcast. Uh, Greg Olson was, and he was talking about. Uh, um, you a know, has a podcast. Yeah, did you, did, you didn't know that. Yeah, did he does. Definitely does. Uh, and <laughs> unbelievable. And uh, he was discussing the situation in Seattle as far as the personnel and the talent on the roster. And he had this to say: I never thought they had a personnel issue. The conversations that I would have with the coaches and the amount of pushback and the amount of questions that I would get in return saying, you know, we're not sure if we can do this. I'm not sure if we can protect this. And I'd sit there scratching my head. It was like we were playing with a JV roster. It was like we were playing with a rookie undrafted quarterback. Like it was very interesting to me. I just think the ideology there was always defense first, kicking game, punt the ball, field position, force turnovers, defensive led, and then they'd hand the ball to Russ at the end of the game and say, go be, go be magic. I just think 
it was part of Russell's frustration. I think it's why Russ said, I want to go somewhere where this is going to be an offensive quarterback driven team every Sunday with the ball in my hand. Let Russ cook. Yeah. You got to let him cook. So, so I got there in 2013, um, signed there in free agency, ended up getting released um, right before the season started, then signing with the Jets. But one of the things you noticed was that really was like, they were so unique in the manner in which they prepared. Like the first install I got, because you know when you first go in there, you're not actually practicing. You're, you're doing workouts. You're, you're doing the off-season conditioning, strength and conditioning program. So the first packet I got of an install was two-minute. That's the first thing you got. And I'm like, well, this is weird. Like, usually you get like a big old game plan book and, and you're looking at uh, your first, second down installs, your base concepts. Then you get into third down, right? Stay on the field and all those things. Then you work your way into the red zone and then two minute. And the justification that I got was that games more or less in the NFL are won and lost in the final two minutes. And so you should feel most comfortable with our system and offense in those final two minutes. And I was like, okay, I, I get that logic. It's different than anything I'd ever experienced before, but I get that logic. Is that in those moments, you need to be, need to be at your very best, and that's why we're prioritizing it. It was one of the first things we install. So um, that was one of the first things, like as a group, when we'd get together and go over, we'd be going over like a two-minute drill and and then as we got into OTAs and minicamp all that you go through your regular installs but that was one of the first things I was prioritized and there's no doubt that you got a sense that that offense was more built to run the football take shots and then you know let Russ be special when it was called upon like they felt really comfortable and confident going into the fourth quarter if the game was tight being able to pull away or in the final minutes, being able to out-execute either with their defense or offense. Like, that, that was that mindset. Like, they own the fourth quarter. Pete Carroll used to say, do you win the game in the first quarter? No. Second quarter? No. Third quarter? No. Fourth quarter? Yeah. And that's what he would preach. And, and look, it was effective. They went on to win a Super Bowl that year. Um, but the interesting thing to me about it was I remember having a conversation on a, a number of plays. And I said, hey, what do we do if we get this? Or what do we do if this happens? Because that was more of my style of play. Like, I was not athletic like Russ. I was not athletic like Tavares Jackson. You know, those guys were more athletic than me. So I had to make up for it in, in a cerebral way and be able to check and change things to get to what we needed to go to. And their response was, well, here's your quick answer. And if that's not there, just make a play. And I'm like, okay, like that's that's not conducive for me to be able to have success in the NFL. Like I'm not that guy. All right, I'm not I'm not the guy. You're who, not that guy. No, no. Like when things break down, I'm like, okay, move on, next play. Like let's, let's throw the football away. Get what you can. Get down. I mean, I'm athletic enough in ways you're to be able to use guy. my legs. No, trust me, you're not that but guy. I'm not. And, and so I was like, oh, okay. So so honestly, I mean, it ne- push never came to shove. You know, we, we were playing a preseason game. So it, it never got to the point where I'd say, look, if we were going into an actual game, I would have said to them, I, I, you have to give me the ability to audible. Like, you need to give me the ability to go to whatever whatever I see. I can go to whatever play we need to in our book because that's my strength, right? I'm not going to scramble around and chuck one downfield for a huge play. You know, usually, like, that's not my game. So <clears throat> I remember hearing that and thinking to myself, 
that was their offense. Like it was like, all right, like run the football, shots, you know, execute, you know, when we get down in, in those those two minute crucial periods. But then there's times when if something wasn't there, they just tell Russ to make a play. And and so to Greg Olson's point, like that was the feeling I kind of got. Uh, now, granted, that was a long time ago. And it was successful in them winning a Super Bowl, and they obviously went back to another. But I am sure down the stretch of things, and we saw instances of this when he didn't have like a six-game stretch where he was on fire. But the problem was their defense was getting abused, and Pete Carroll didn't want that. And I think that's where the frustration probably grew over the course of the last four years. I just think the the relationship between Carroll and, and Wilson has truly been based upon in my estimation, and and call me crazy, but this is just how I interpret it. Russell Wilson is kind of like the player version of Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones is long, long-lived long longing for is to be responsible for a Super Bowl. Even though he's the owner, like you were responsible for those three Super Bowls that they won under your lead. Russell Wilson, as the quarterback, was responsible for that that first Super Bowl as the quarterback and was responsible for them making it back to the Super Bowl. But for some strange reason, it's difficult, and maybe it's because there hasn't been an MVP award. Maybe it's because he wasn't the MVP of the Super Bowl. You know, and 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 for what it's worth, maybe it's because a lot of people gave a lot of credit to Marshawn Lynch as the heartbeat of that offense. Some people gave a lot of credit to the defense as the heartbeat of that team. The fact that Russell Wilson, as the anointed person without question over the last, I don't know how many years we would say, maybe several years at least, that he is the guy that is the reason why this team will win a Super Bowl or lose a Super Bowl, and they have not been in position to do so, has been something that that I don't want to go as strong as saying torments him, but it's a possibility. It's a possibility that it torments Russell Wilson, that all things given, there is no Marshawn Lynch that you can say is the reason on offense. There is no Legion of Boom that you can say on defense is the reason why they're going to win. It would have had to have been Russell Wilson, what he's doing, and that did not pan out. And I think that that weighed on Russ, and I think it weighed on the way that he interacted with not only Carol, the head coach, but probably how he interacted with everyone there just based off of the amount of importance that he brought to that organization and to that city and fan base. So I think the complexities of why things kind of went awry for them as they got later on into going down that road together of their careers is because Russ was never in a real position where he could have validated or maybe in some instances or some thought processes vindicated himself as the catalyst for winning the Super Bowl.
Uh, it could it be as simple as you know, and uh, not as simple, but but a large portion of Russell Wilson's feeling was, you know, I- I'm tired of playing on a defense. Uh, to Greg Olson's point and what Brady was saying, I'm tired of playing in a defense first organization. I want offense to be a little bit more of my priority. And now he goes to Denver, where Nathaniel Hackett's there. He's got all those weapons. Like they had talent on offense. It's not like you know the cupboard was bare, right. but right. just the philosophy. Pete Carroll won with that and was going to ride that yeah. until his time was over. In, in Seattle. In Russell's defense, too, think about how many offensive coordinators he's had over the past few years. I mean, he went from Bevel, then Schottenheimer, then, then Shane Waldron. And, and, you know, you look at what they did when they brought in Shane Waldron. They wanted to bring in the outside zone running scheme that they were running with the Los Angeles Rams. You know, play action, boots, all that stuff off of it and kind of make their offense out of that. Um, I, I don't – I mean – the problem is, is when you've got a certain philosophy of what you want, but it doesn't necessarily match your personnel, it's never going to work. And I think that was part of what you were saying. And I also feel like if you're trying to run an offense that helps, helps protect your defense, because your defense, and that's your calling card, that's your identity as a head coach, it's what you've been. If you're running an offense to help protect that group, then you've got a problem, right? Like if, if, if I can go out there and throw up 30-some points a game, you should win. More often than not, you should win. You should be able to have a defense that can get you enough stops or get enough turnovers where you can run out the clock at the end of the game. And I think there's times when that just wasn't the case. Like, they, if, they, if you, people want to put the blame on Russell Wilson or the lack of Legion of Boom being there, and you know, that's why they didn't have as much success, this past season was the first losing season they've had. I mean, think about that. And he had to miss, what, three games? I mean, who knows if it's different if he doesn't get hurt and if he plays and when he doesn't try to come back too soon and actually he's, he's playing at a higher level. I mean, it, it obviously his, his finger was impacted by how he threw and all that and he rushed to get back before he should have. But he knew how, how bad they needed him in order to even have a shot. So I, I look at it and say, like, the whole time after Legion of Boom, people can say, well, they didn't have that anymore and that's why they didn't win. But he was propping them up for a period of time. I mean, I, I really am interested to see what this team turns into this year. Like, I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll fight. They'll scrap. They'll have some talented players. But I don't know that they'll win more in six games. I think that furthers the point of all of this and why the relationship deteriorated. If I'm Russell Wilson and I'm propping up a team while everything is, is being looked at as why they're not versus why they are or why they have an in spite of situation right. and he's not getting that that validation he's not getting that recognition because he hasn't everybody has had this whole thing it's kind of funny it became a thing like let let russ cook like let him cook let him cook that that became a thing and he's looking at it like okay if i thought for two seconds that you know what i'm i'm appreciated it's just I'm underappreciated in in these places. It's okay. But if I feel underappreciated overall, and what Olsen is saying is true, and you're basically, you have me in a situation where you're undervaluing or underappreciation of what I bring to the table is ultimately leading to the DNA of what you run this team based off of. I don't know who, who, who would that work for. Right. It wouldn't work for me. I'll tell you that. Honestly speaking. It sounds like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. The only difference is you don't have as good of a resume as of winning Super Bowls during Mm -hmm. the the two decades. But if you look at 2012 to probably up until this past season, I, I would be willing to bet 
that the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks were probably the two most winning organizations between that, that time frame, probably next to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. I, now, I don't know this. I'm saying this off the top of my head. Jonas, do you have any uh, idea? I, I, do, I would say that those two, if I'm not mistaken, I, I saw that a couple of months ago, and I think that was the case. Kansas City was up there. Pittsburgh was obviously up there. Yeah, about to say there. maybe the Steelers. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, they're, they're most successful they've had in a long time. I would push back, though, on the similarities between him and Brady because I'm almost positive Brady doesn't have his own logo on the side of a plane like Russell Wilson does. Uh, he probably does. He just isn't displaying it. Well, okay, let's be good, clear yeah. here, man. Branding is branding. So, you yeah. know, that's probably one of those like kind of like paste on type deals or magnet type deals <laughs> that ain't his jet nice. man it's just you know he oh, pasted no, it on I, there you know i think he's that. got a jet bro. no you're probably you, you, he probably does. you, probably you think he uses a magnet i, I told y'all i was coming into the show hot today <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i said i was going to hate unless right. i see that logo but, but, all the way across like the fair. puma logo i'm hating you, you understand the correlation between the two though i'm trying to make like you have two guys who i think probably got now i'm um, brady for different reasons but you know defensive minded head coaches who maybe they wanted to get out from underneath that and go somewhere else where they had a bit more control over things and i just think in pete carroll's case he's trying to do the same thing he's been trying to do yeah. for the entire entirety of his career there probably in tom brady's case with bill belichick it's like every it's the same thing it's like at some point you got to adapt and adjust to as a head coach and you have to kind of change your ways to fit where your quarterback, your team is at. And maybe they got frustrated with that. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Mike check. Mike check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. Let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live wherever Get your podcast from. He is the senior NFL reporter at the MMQB. You can get him on Twitter at Albert Breer. Albert, what's happening? How's your Thursday? It's good. It's good. And I appreciate you guys giving me the week off last week. I uh I was in I was in rough shape, uh when uh <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know if I can I, I saw ahead, you. You looked pretty banged up at the combine, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a it's a test of endurance for the players, and it was a test of endurance for me too. Uh, but I made it through, and I'm here now. I mean, well, look, I mean, you're uh, you're talking uh, trades and free agency uh, till the yeah. you know early hours. I mean, it happens. I mean, being a professional, that's part of the job. And I'm thinking, oh, that's not nice. That is not nice. We're not. We don't have the controls here. We're not playing the uh, the pouring of a of there was a drink. A lot of ice yeah, there. I can't believe that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna comment on it. Yeah, yet. you shouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. All right, Albert. Uh, the Carson Wentz trade, uh, since it's the most recent big move uh, in the NFL, uh, is it more of a sign that Frank Reich uh, was giving up, so to speak, on Carson Wentz, or was Jim Irsay over it and said, "One and done. He's got to go." You know, I, I think as much as anything else, it's sort of a sign of what they want in their quarterback. And, um, you know, the on-field product was okay. Um, you know, and I think 
what we learned is like a lot of what Frank Reich said um, before the year, which was, you know, if things are right around Carson Wentz, he's still okay. Like, and when they were riding Jonathan Taylor through the middle of the season and Taylor was making his MVP run, I Carson Wentz was mostly fine. Um, but when you had to put more on him, when it had to become more about him, that became more of a problem. So, you know, just based on that, would they have gone forward with him for another year um, based on the way the contract's set up and everything else? Sure. You know, I think it was more the personality and the leadership stuff. And I, I think it's the same stuff that got him in Philly, guys. Um, you know, he just he has trouble relating to teammates. He, um, you know, when things get bad, he doesn't really have the, I would say, wherewithal to, 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 to get the team pointed in the right direction. And, you know, I, I think there's been an accountability issue over the years, too, with him. And so, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, Frank still likes Carson, I'm sure. But I think for Chris Ballard, um, the general manager, the one who's got his, you know, his finger on the trigger, um, yeah, I think as much as anything else, this is sort of about what they've built the last five years. And this is an acknowledgement that Carson Wentz didn't fit into that. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It sort of feels like the ghost of Andrew Luck is still hovering over Indianapolis. Yeah, that, uh, that sure has really created a domino effect with uh, his surprise absence. How much of a factor did Jim Ursay, you think, play in this, if at all? Uh, just because we knew he was critical of Carson Wentz in regards to his um, vaccination status. Now yeah. none of that matters, but do you think that played a factor? I don't know what the vaccination status did, uh, Brady, as much as it was. I, I, maybe that's part of the equation. You know what I mean? Like, again, and like it's just the quarterback is the leader and, and kind of, um, you know, like what the quarterback means to the team. Now, I'd say that's more Ballard than Ursay. With Ursay, I think it's, you know, I, I think he senses he has a team that's good enough to win right now. You know, and they've been building and building and building, and they've done a lot of things right. And if you look at that roster – you know, guys like Quentin Nelson and, and, and Darius Leonard, uh, you know, and DeForest Buckner, I, like those guys that were young or younger um, are now in the prime of their careers. And so I think, you know, for Jim Irsay, he's looking at it, and then he sees young guys like, you know, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman coming along. You know, they'll get Julian Blackman back next year from injury. Um, and I think he sees a team that's, like, coming into its window right now and I think what Ursay is doing is sort of pushing a sense of urgency on everybody. Like, this is the time. This is not like the, the sort of place where we need to be, you know, taking on reclamation projects or conducting experiments at the most important position of the field. You know, we need to strike right now because the rest of this team is ready to win right now. And I actually agree with him on that. But the problem is, now where do you go? You know, like it sounds good, like offloading Carson Wentz. The next question becomes, now where do you go? And I think you could argue that the options that are in front of them right now, presuming the Texans won't trade Deshaun Watson in the division, I think it's hard to find like a clear upgrade over where they've been over the last three years with Jacoby Brissett, uh, and now and now Carson Wentz. Oh, um Brady made a bold prediction at the beginning of the year coming into the season that Aaron Rodgers <laughs> would indeed return to the Green Bay Packers. Um, it was also out there that Russell Wilson would not return back with the Seattle Seahawks. Those things have 
have happened and have transpired the way that they were foreseen and 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 predict predicted. Um, what does this mean for Green Bay? I mean, obviously that's got to be a win to keep keep him there. And and what does that mean yeah. for for Seattle? allowing uh, this situation to progress to where Russell Wilson has now vacated the, the, the building in Seattle? Well, I, I'll start with like the kind of my global outlook of this, LeVar. Like, I think you look at the two quarterbacks, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, and I think Deshaun Watson was a part of this you know, last year, too. Um, I, I think Rodgers and Wilson looked at what happened in Tampa and looked at the way that that team built around Brady and looked at the way that that team listened to Brady, and they, you know, they they, they, they constructed the team with a sense of urgency. They were building on his timeline. Um, they were building an offense that, that that worked for him, and that was going to sort of allow him to maximize his own potential. And I think those guys looked at it and said, "Give me that. That's what I want." And you know, I think now more or less, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers both have it. Now Aaron Rodgers didn't have to change teams to get it. Here's why. It's, if you look at the way the Packers have built over the years, it's been conservative. It's been draft and develop. Over the last 13 months, they've started to mortgage contracts. They've started to create like a two- to three-year window, um, and they're doing things maybe they wouldn't have done four or five years ago um, philosophically to maximize what Aaron Rodgers has left. And so in a lot of ways, you look at where the Packers are and – like Aaron Rodgers got them to move a lot in the way that they build their team. So in that way, you know, I think Aaron in saying and implicitly saying, I want what Tom Brady has in Tampa, he got it without having to change teams. And I think Russell Wilson has it now too, you know, because now it's on the Broncos to build around Russell Wilson, um, you know, the, the, the way that he's always wanted a team built around him. You know, I think for Russell – this has been about you know seeing where he can take an offense, about all pros, about eventually becoming an all, a Hall of Famer, and there was so much history in Seattle. Um, you know the way that there was friction between him and the Legion of Boom guys, um, the way the offense was built, the questions he had about the coaches, like all that history was there in Seattle. His entry point in Denver is so much different. He's coming there as the savior, and now they're going to build around him. And now we all get to see if he's capable of being that type of quarterback that can throw for 4,500 yards and be the centerpiece um, to the sort of offense we've seen, you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and those sorts of guys pilot over the years. And so he's getting sort of the Tom Brady thing too. So that's what's so interesting about this whole thing, guys. And I know that's a long-winded answer, but I think a lot of guys looked at what Brady accomplished in Tampa last year and what he got in Tampa and having a say in the organization and having the building with urgency and having them build an offense that would get the most out of him individually. So they, they, those guys, I think, all were saying, I want that. And now I think Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers both have it. Uh, Albert Breer joining us here on Fox Sports Radio, senior NFL reporter at the MMQB. You can get him on Twitter, at Albert Breer. Uh, obviously, we're waiting to see uh, what happens with the, the Deshaun Watson stuff tomorrow in court. Um, and so, you know, that's, you know we, we don't have any clarity on that. But what do you think is the next name to move, the next quarterback name to move and land where is who? Um, I mean, my, Jimmy Garoppolo is one that I'm sort of keeping an eye on just because – He's interesting just because it's going to take a little bit of a leap of faith um, from, you know, uh, from, from a team here because he's not going to be able to throw 
yeah. until late June, early July is what they're so, saying. And so it's the shoulder. It's yeah. not the, the dating the porn stars. You think that's, oh, that's what God. it is? Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I mean, they could be, there could be a relation between them. I mean, all come on. Yeah. Saying, I mean, what, what's the risk? You know? <laughs> there, there are risks. I mean, those, are real, those are real relationships, Brady. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, of course they are. I, uh, Can't share no, these days? I, I think it's I think it's the, the the shoulder thing's a real thing for other teams, you know, because you only have them under contract for one more year, and so it really is about the here and the now if you're trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, and um, so you know I, I I know the Niners would like to get a couple second round picks for him, um, and I would have said that that's a that's a tall order that'd be a tall order before I saw what Washington gave up for Carson Wentz, and now it seems more realistic. Um, and so, you know, like, again, like, I think with Jimmy, it's going to be sort of a leap of faith in where his shoulder is. And if you feel good about that, um, then, you know, I, I could see him being sort of the guy to get to use the next guy somewhere. And so it'll be interesting to see if, you know, the Colts jump in there. I think Carolina is going to kick tires on it. Um, you know, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts call Vegas about Derek Carr. And I don't think it's Josh McDaniel's intention to move Derek Carr at all. But, you know, could you think about the idea of, well, would it make sense if Derek Carr went to Indianapolis and then Jimmy Garoppolo went to Vegas and was reunited with Josh McDaniels there? There are still, like, some moving pieces here. And I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen, but I'm just saying I think some of these calls are going to happen over the next few days. And, again, like, I think the thing with the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, situation is a lot of it's going to boil down to what some of these team doctors maybe say to their coaches, their GMs about where they think Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulder is going to be when we get to the summer. All right. Well, my I guess my final question would, would be, and looking at what took place with the Carson Palmer trade. Wentz. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I mean, well, he, Palmer Wentz. He, I mean, he brought at up this who'd, point. He brought you mix up, up earlier. Um, um, Aaron Gibson. See, it's it's fair. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Gibson. It's, it's fair because Brady brought That's up the great. Brady brought up the porn star, so I could see how Palmer would enter into the conversation. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The board starts throwing me off a little bit, too, yeah. Lamar. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point, Albert. I, I got to make you a little more frisky like you are at the combine. Oh. You know, when, yeah. He's a man of the town. You should see him at, at Pride 47 <laughs> late night. Come on now. Jeez. The, the fact that it did not impact their chances of winning anything with the odds makers, how, how, are, you, how are you kind of interpreting that? Because to me, it's just – it could be. It could go a couple of different ways. They just don't have, as Brady says, not enough information yet. But to me, I, I'm looking at it more so as a team that gets rid of a quarterback after one season, and and yeah. is risking continuity for the sake of going in a different direction because you believe your window of opportunity is now is almost a damning thing. And then now, lo and behold, you have the reputation of the team that he goes to. And we all know that that that's very well documented. I mean, what 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 should people who are rooting for this this Washington team, um, what should they be feeling based off of this trade? I would just tell them to be patient. Um, you know, I again, like I'm surprised it cost that much to get Carson Wentz out of there. If you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have thought, like, if, if they were able to offload Carson Wentz, it'd be a straight salary dump, you know. And so the fact that the Colts were able to get something of value for him surprised me. Um, you know, that said, 
I do think Washington is going to be able to offer some things to Carson Wentz that maybe he hasn't had in a while. You know, he's a, a big downfield thrower, and being able to give him somebody like Terry McLaurin to throw to, I think will help. Um, and they do have pieces in place there. Again, it's going to be about not putting the whole thing on him. But why, why I'm saying, LeVar, I think the idea is to be patient here. I don't think they're done. Um, you know, I think this is probably the first of a couple of moves at quarterback, and it wouldn't surprise me if this is the precursor to them maybe drafting somebody in the first round, and Carson Wentz becomes the placeholder um, for whichever rookie that might be. Hmm. Um, I just I have a hard time believing that going into year three, um, you know, for Ron Rivera and, and, and what they've done to build that thing up and kind of um, try to flip the narrative on, on on who the team is. I have a hard time believing that it's just going to be Carson Wentz and nothing else. I, I do think that they've got another move in the court, at the quarterback position in them. And because of the price tag um, on on Carson Wentz, because it's going to cost them $27 million to bring him in, you would have to think that move's coming in the draft. Uh, get him on Twitter, at Albert Breer. He is the senior NFL reporter at the MMQB, always kind enough to join us here on Fox Sports Radio. Carson Albert, Palmer. Carson Palmer. Albert, we appreciate Palmer. it. Uh, of the commandos. Carson, Carson Palmer. I feel, I feel like we covered, a, we, we covered a lot yeah. here. You know. yeah. I'm a fan of Carson Palmer, too, LeVar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Me, too. There it is. Me, too. Yeah. I'm yeah. a fan of Carson's. You know. Good. Good. You know Carson hey, Daly. Albert, you know. Albert was, was the porn star thing that it threw you off that much? It's just a little bit. I mean, I, I was, uh, I couldn't, like, my, my phone was a little muffled, so there's, like, a lot of laughter, and I was just trying to make trying my to way out. through that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I, but, I think, but I think I recovered okay, right? You're a professional. Yeah. Well, Come on. With us, you know, whatever it is you were assuming would have been safe, Albert. Yeah, you know, whatever it is you heard when you saw her porn star and you you didn't hear everything else, whatever you assumed well, no, like your, said, your response like my should have been. Is, that would have been right. My understanding is that was a real relationship for Jimmy, right? Yeah. I, mean, he, I mean, they were out. They were eating in public. I yeah, mean, you know. yeah, I'm a fan of it. Hey, hey, I mean, it, like, yeah, like, that who, too. Am I, who am I to judge somebody else's romantic relationship? Agreed. Yeah, everybody Sorry, deserves on, someone agree. to love. Hold on. The line you know? of distinctions when you're eating in public, is that what makes it real? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a nice restaurant. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just assuming if you're willing Mr. to put some, some coin out there for some, some nice food, that there there are some feelings. Oh, no, maybe. I, I think, I think like, like, and I'm no, I'm, I'm no celebrity, but I think for celebrities, like, Taking somebody out in public is a is big important, step, right? Wouldn't it be? Because yeah. You sure. know, if you're if you're if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, like TMZ could be right around the corner, ready to take your of picture. Of course, so, like that's a big step, right? Of yeah. course. Listen, uh, Albert, you're a broadcast professional, all right, and uh, don't let them steer you in a ditch, all right. Uh, There's we, nothing we wrong with being uh, what you are in life. Yeah. Uh, if you're an adult entertainer, if somebody loves you for that, yeah. that's okay. It's uh, fine. Shots out to Jimmy G for showing yeah. her love. And, and she yeah. wasn't a bad looking. And, and she was not out. hard on your eyes and, either, by the way. And shouts out to uh, Albert Breer, at Albert Breer that's on right. Twitter. Uh, always right. good stuff uh, with the great Albert Breer. <laughs> 